I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Monday, July 11th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So, Jane, it is the Calgary Stampede going on in Calgary right now. Have you ever been? I've not been to the Stampede. I have been to Calgary, but not the Stampede. It's on the list. You? The Stampede, it's a great time, Jay. I went there a few years ago when I was working at Uber, and just had a time of my life. It's a great, it's a huge party. The whole city gets into it. There's a ton of different activities. There's pancake breakfast. There's parties in the evening, and everyone dresses up like they're a cowboy. And so when you get there, the first thing I did was I had to go get a cowboy hat. And what I did do is I didn't go get cowboy boots. Now, do you have an idea how much these cowboy boots cost? I know they're expensive, and I'm also interested in how many times you wore these expensive boots. Well, the hat came in handy because then for at least five years after, I was just a cowboy for Halloween every year. And so that I really maximized the value I got out of purchasing that hat. But the boots are crazy. So off the shelf, and this is the fact of the day for the Pete Pals out there, the thought, but the boots of the day, they're 400 to $500 for a pair of boots. Can you believe that? I do believe it. It's a lot of leather. It's a lot of leather. And then if you're a real executive, if you're, you know, let's say you're like an oil prospector who, you know, found some of that black gold, you're going in there, you're paying 2500 to $3,000 for gator skin boots. Oh, the gator skin. That sounds nice and soft. I think it would look great on you, Jay. I think that's something we got to we got to get you into Calgary. We got to get you fitted, get you some of those gator skin boots. And, you know, I think it'll change your life. It probably would. I think people would look at me funny in Toronto wearing gator skin boots, but maybe I shouldn't care. But with the hat and the boots, I think I could really it could be a new look for me. Yeah, that's right. You would be an urban cowboy, Jan. <laughs> Love that. Brett, aside from your gator skin boots and your cowboy hat, which you will be wearing all next week, what do we have for Peak Pals today? Well, we've got an exciting few stories here. Obviously, the first one many of us lived through. For our first story, we still don't know why Rogers was down. For our second story, Elon doesn't want to buy Twitter anymore. And for our last story, via rail workers, baby on strike. By the time you hear this, we'll find out. For our first story, uh, there's nothing like the feeling of fresh wireless connections in the morning. At least that's what 12 million Canadians felt on Saturday morning after Friday's Rogers network outage. Brett, that was one of the more chaotic days of the year. Do we know what happened yet? Well, we were happy to host you at the Peaks office, Jay, because I know you were a victim of the outage yourself. <laughs> I was. So look, Rogers, they've, they haven't really said much. So they said there was obviously some type of big issue on their part. They've had a couple of tweets which addressed the whole debacle. But businesses that rely on its network, they offered us almost a better look into what happened. Yeah, so Tech Savvy, which uses Rogers lines, told customers the outage extended to Ontario, Quebec, and Eastern provinces with no estimated time for a resolution. Well, we know it happened. We know we came back on Saturday. So it was about you know, 16, 17 hours, though. Now, BMO, one of the biggest banks in the country, said the outage affected all financial institutions and caused interruptions in debit services, transactions, and its toll-free number. Interact said its debit services were unavailable both online and at checkouts and that e-transfer services were also mostly down. And on that note, Brett, I owe you money for lunch, so thanks for taking care of that on uh, Friday. Yeah, no worries. But now that you can pay me, though, Jay. <laughs> I'll know. send it right away. <laughs> yeah. Look, Toronto and Ottawa, this is probably the worst one. Toronto and Ottawa Police Services confirmed connection issues with dialing 911 and urged people to call using other cell providers or landlines. If I'm having a heart attack, I'm not going over to my neighbor's house to use their TELUS device. You're certainly not. And this is not nearly as bad, but the weekend world tour kickoff That's right. was canceled on Friday night as well. There were a lot of upset people roaming around downtown Toronto on Friday night. And 
as of Sunday, we still don't know exactly what happened, but we do know that this was a really, really big deal, Brett. Yeah, and look, I think part of the reason why it was a big deal is, as many Rogers customers will attest, it was the second time in two years that Rogers network failures have affected critical infrastructure, not to mention thousands of businesses that depend on the internet to handle payments or even just to stay connected to the rest of the world. It was a really big problem. It was. And technology analyst Ritesh Kotak told the CBC he suspects the cause is an internal update gone wrong and underscored how vulnerable the economy is to outages. And us personally, Jay, I looked at the podcast downloads on Friday and it was half what we normally get. So half of you listeners off the peak pals are Rogers customers. So we send our condolences that you missed out in a great episode. Maybe go back and, and give it a listen. Now, look, if we zoom out, this all happened at a very, very bad time for Rogers. So as the company seeks regulator approval on this $26 billion takeover of Shaw, and this massive outage, it's not really going to help their kids. And I'm not sure the federal government's going to be sitting there saying, oh yeah, let's encourage more consolidation in the mobile and the telecom industry. For a second story, the Bird app saga continues. Elon Musk says he's not going ahead with his purchase of Twitter after all. This is quite the saga, Jay. It feels like it's always in the news. What's the latest though on Elon's purchase of Twitter? Well, so to get you caught up, Musk agreed to buy Twitter back in April for $44 billion at $54.20 per share, just weeks before the tech stocks actually collapsed. Since then, he's raised questions about the presence of spam bots on the platform. Now, Twitter has repeatedly and publicly estimated that bots make up 5% of its users and noted that the number could be even higher. Now, Musk is claiming that Twitter has refused to provide information about spam bots on the platform, which he claims put them in breach of their agreement. Now, that's all fun, but, you know, a deal's a deal, and Twitter could sue to force Musk to go through with it, even if he'd prefer to bail. Yeah, Musk would need to clear a pretty high legal bar to win a court battle, having to prove that Twitter intentionally misled investors in its public disclosures. Now, maybe Elon's playing some space chess here. This might be a negotiating tactic to pressure Twitter's board to accept a sale at a lower price. And here's what's next. Don't expect Twitter to let Musk walk away without a fight. Without a deal on the table, the company's shares are already falling, and it's a strong incentive to push Musk to complete the acquisition. And for our final story here on Monday, 2,400 Via Rail employees are set to walk off the job today, kicking off a labor dispute that could shut down passenger rail travel during a busy summer travel season. This feels like pretty rough timing, Brett. What's going on with Via? Air Canada, Rogers, and here we go, via rail. Now, look, we'll say this, the union, and we'll get into it, but the union is negotiating tonight. And so by the time you're listening to this on Monday, and we're recording this on Sunday, this actually might already be resolved, or they might be on strike. So we'll preface with that. Now, here's what's happening. Unifor, representing VIA's workers, claims the company is attempting to reduce VIA employees' job security as part of a new agreement. You may have noticed that travel is already a bit chaotic right now, and the VIA strike is going to make matters probably a lot worse. Over 13,000 people ride VIA trains every day and even more during peak summer travel months. And that's according to VIA's most recent pre-pandemic data. The thousands of travelers who would have taken the train will now need to find an alternative transportation, potentially adding strain to our already overwhelmed airports, Brett. This is going to be a huge problem for, I think, a lot of people, myself included. I'm supposed to be in Ottawa next weekend. I was planning to take the train instead of flight. So now you have to rethink your plans. Now, look, in terms of what's next, by the time you're hearing this, like I said, employees may either be on strike or this might be all resolved. Unifor says that its bargaining committees are staying in Montreal until the deadline of 12.01 Monday. So again, by the time you're already listening to this. And VIA says affected passengers may change their reservation at no cost or may opt out for a full refund 
of unused tickets. Well, we'll see what happens, you know, through the globe and see what went down. <laughs> Pete Pels, thanks for making us the most listened to. And only. Daily Canadian Business News Podcast in the country. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Pete, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. Brett, have a great week. You too.